because uh, there's quite a few that are already at Salem and worshiping down there. And if you're watching from Salem, we send you our greetings and hope that you're being blessed today. But uh, it's good to share together. We continue our journey through Paul's letter to the Ephesian church and seeing how Paul seeks to grow us up in faith and life. Uh, in the early chapters, we saw that uh, Paul wants us to learn how to sit in the richness of Jesus' salvation, to be seated in high places with Christ the King, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And in that, he tries to open the door for us to realize that we are saved from sin by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, created in Christ Jesus for good works, and part of those good works is to model for a world that is divided and divisive and broken that God is bringing us together under the lordship of Christ. He's tearing down walls and leading us ahead. And so this morning, Paul kind of goes down a rabbit trail a bit, and he wants to talk just for a minute with us about his call to ministry and how that shapes the message and how that shapes the mystery of what God sent Jesus to be up to. So this morning we're going to be talking about mysteries for a bit. And I don't know about you, mysteries are kind of cool. You know, it's kind of neat to find out something that no one else knows. In fact, there were competing religions back in the ancient world, and some of those religions were called mystery religions because if you signed up with them, they would clue you in to some mystery of the universe that no one else would know. Uh, and, uh, and so you'd kind of be on the inside, you know, the inside group looking out, knowing something that nobody else knows. They, they called it secret knowledge. We'll show you. And so Paul has for us today some secret knowledge. And I'm going to let you know what it's all about. Does that sound cool? All right, I hope so. Here we go. At chapter 3 of verse 1, this is what Paul writes for us. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, because surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And that is the mystery that was made known to me by, by revelation, as I have already written briefly, and in reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ the Messiah. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's holy people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ the Messiah to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, 
through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence and so I ask you therefore do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you they are your glory this is the word of God for you and me the people of God thanks be to God will you pray with me for me <clears throat> come Lord Jesus help us lift you up in the amazing work that you have been doing for the past 2,000 years come Holy Spirit and inspire and fill us and work in our hearts and lives Lord we want to be the church that reveals all your multifaceted glory in this community Lord and so we want you to do miracles in our midst and Lord help us not hinder your work in building a church that brings glory to you as a reflection of heaven so Lord speak through my words and help us just understand and more than understand Lord give us your heart through your spirit I pray in Jesus name Amen Now brothers and sisters uh, as a kid I remember one of the cool mysteries of my day and age as a kid growing up in the 80s and so those of you that remember the 80s you might remember this story there's a journalist uh, who's I think now he's on Fox not quite as popular as he used to be Geraldo Rivera right Geraldo and he would always try to dig into something cool and find some some kind of mystery to uncover and when I was a teenager in the 80s he had found the perfect mystery for the world to see Al Capone's hidden vaults now, y'all know Al Capone, right? He was the gangster in the 1930s in Chicago and ruled Chicago with an iron fist and made loads and loads of money during Prohibition and, and you know, finally came to justice, uh, you know, th through the work of the FBI and, you know, uh, Kevin Costner played part of that role back way in the 80s, I think, in a movie. But, but anyway, he found Al Capone's vaults. And so for months on the... You know, the latest channel that Geraldo was on, we are going to open Al Capone's vaults for you. And so join us at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night, and everybody be there. We're going to blow it up, and we're going to see what's in Al Capone's vaults. We're going to see what he has hiding behind those walls. And they just played up this mystery more and more and more. So I had to see it. I had to be there. And I remember that night we were sitting there watching the news and Geraldo was there. The wall was there. We're going to blow it up. They blow it up, right? And what's on the other side? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely. Now, I hope the mystery today, this is not about nothing. This is probably the most, the most important thing to Paul the Apostle. Because he believes this is the most important thing to the Lord who made the universe. And so it was not nothing to Paul. Paul says, listen, guys, you know how I'm in chains for the sake of the gospel. I'm in chains for you guys. 
And oftentimes we think that Paul was in chains because of preaching Jesus, right? Because of preaching that Jesus was Messiah and preaching Jesus' death and resurrection. But that's not really the whole story. There are a lot of people out there preaching Jesus and they weren't thrown in jail for it. But Paul was thrown in jail for it because of the mystery of Christ the Messiah. And so Paul, in these verses, begins to uncover that mystery that God revealed to him by revelation, not from teaching by men, not from the apostles, not from anywhere else. This, Paul says, came directly to me from God himself, and God himself has revealed it not only to me, but to Peter and the other apostles, and we are living it out, and this mystery is what God is up to, and it's not the same thing you know, in ancient times in the Old Testament, nobody had a clue about what God is doing today. Nobody knew what God was really up to. But today, I'm going to tell you my call story, how I'm sent out, and what it means that this mystery is now uncovered for us, and how it impacts us as the church of Jesus. So you ready? To uncover the mystery. Now, if you read through Ephesians, you know, casually, you may think, well, of course, the mystery is Jesus, right? Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the grave and, and came to bring God's kingdom and to save us from sin and to get us right for heaven and to draw us near to God who made us. That's the mystery, right? No, that's not it. It's here, and Paul tells us, but that's not the mystery. And he says, verse 6 is the key verse for the Scripture. He says, the mystery is this, that through the gospel, and one fellow calls it the big G gospel. Yes, that's the Jesus part, Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus' salvation by grace through faith. Through the gospel, this is the mystery. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. The Gentiles are members together in one body. The Gentiles are sharers together in the promise in the Messiah Jesus. Paul says, this is the mystery that I am in chains for. Now, it, it doesn't seem that all amazing to us, right? Kind of like the Al Capone thing. Well, what's really in the vault? But brothers and sisters, we have to put ourselves just rewind about 2,000 years and let's go back in time and pretend you're a Jewish person who has grown up his entire life or her entire life knowing I am God's chosen people. God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham shared it with Isaac, and Isaac passed it down to Jacob, and Jacob became the father. He is our father of Israel, of the 12 tribes, and God gave us the covenants, and God gave us the law, and we are God's people, and we know God loves us, and we know that we are special. And everybody else, well, they're just, they're in big trouble. I mean, that that's how it works. You're Jewish, you're in. You're not Jewish, you're out. If you want to be saved, then you better get circumcised. 
If you want to be saved, then stop eating barbecue. If you want to be saved, quit eating shrimp. You got to change. You got to repent. You've got to become Jewish or you are going to end up, what we'd say today, in hell. And Paul says God revealed to him something completely different that would have made the Jews in the ancient world and the Gentiles in the ancient world, their draw would drop, drop like three feet to the floor and say, are you kidding? No way. That the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. That they are members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now let's look at this verse a little deeper. First, Gentiles. Gentile is not a word that we use today much in the modern language except when we read the Bible. Uh, but uh, some translations might translate it instead of Gentiles. They may translate it nations, right? The nations. And when we think about nations, we think about the 200 plus nations all over the world. You know, Cambodia, Laos, uh, Brazil, uh, Cuba, America, Mexico, um, Saudi Arabia, where the president is, you know, Africa. We think of all these nations. But the word nation in Greek is literally, it's ethne. Ethne is the Greek word here. And that's where we get our word ethnic. Ethnic. And so as we look at the scriptures, what does God mean by the nations? What does God mean by the Gentiles? Well, Revelation perhaps gives us the best description because in Revelation we see, we encounter the worship of the living God where God is at the heart of the universe and he is surrounded by billions and billions of people. And, and there John tells us it's people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, and every language. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language. That is the ethne the peoples, not by political divisions. It's not to make sure there's Brazilians in heaven or that there's Saudi Arabians in heaven, but no, peoples that have a common culture, peoples that have a common language. It could be, if it's the Chinese, it could be Mandarin or Cantonese. But if you speak Mandarin, you're a part of a different ethne than if you speak Cantonese. And if you speak... Uh, Let's say you speak Spanish, you could still be part of a different ethne if you're from Mexico than if you speak that same language and let's say you're from uh, Spain, right? There are groups of people that see themselves, we are this people. We speak the same language, we have the same slang, we embrace the same culture. And what this is telling us here is the mystery that is now being presented by God is that every group of people on planet Earth is invited to the kingdom. As we talked about last week, all means all. Every tribe, every people, every tongue get to be heirs together with Israel. We get to be kingdom people. We get to be members together of one body. The church is for one people. White, black, rich, poor, Hispanic, Asian, Middle Eastern, it doesn't matter. 
when the church opens its doors, anybody who walks through these doors into this place, they are a potential brother and sister in faith. They are a potential someone we will be singing, you know, Amazing Grace, and we'll be singing, you know, in Chinese for eternity, and we'll be singing in Spanish for eternity, and we'll be singing in French for eternity. I mean, you name the language, I bet in eternity we're going to have to learn, like, thousands of languages and learn how to sing God's praises in each one. Isn't that exciting? Don't you want to learn something new besides boring old English, right? But anybody who comes through those doors is a potential brother and sister in faith. It doesn't matter where they come from. They are offered a part of the, they're offered a place in the kingdom. They're offered to be a part of the one body to be shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That promise is, as he says at the end, that in Jesus and through faith in him, we have freedom and confidence as we approach God, that God is for us. And so this is the mystery. And brothers and sisters, this is why Paul was in chains. It's not just because of Jesus. Because if you've read the Acts story, right, he, he goes to Jerusalem and he takes a love offering for the poor church there. The, the church is struggling with finances and, and doesn't have hardly anything. And so he gathers a, an offering from the Greek and Turkish churches and brings it there to Jerusalem. And he's there and he says, listen, I'm still Jewish. You know, I, I still love my heritage. I'm still, you know, want to do the right thing. And so he goes to the temple to try to do the right thing to make the Jewish people say, oh, wait, there is Paul. Ooh, um, oh, oh, well, he's doing normal Jewish stuff. I've heard that he, like, left the Jewish faith, but no, he's still worshiping at the temple. He's still doing good Jewish stuff. And so Paul does all that. But then there's some folks from out of town who, you know, from Turkey or someplace who see him some Jewish people there, and they say, ah, there's Paul. He's been stirring up trouble in my hometown. You know, we can't allow that here. He's going to mess things up here in Jerusalem. And so they start a riot. And the centurion comes in and has to settle things down, and, and they take Paul captive. And Paul gives this grand speech about God's call on his life. And, he, and the Jewish people, you, know, you could hear a pin drop, they're all listening what Paul has to say and he says you know Jesus met me on the road to Damascus and and he called me to to share forth the message that Jesus is risen from the dead and he is our Messiah and we can trust in him and embrace his kingdom and they're good with all that they don't mind him saying anything about Jesus and the resurrection and Messiah even though it was being debated back in those days you know what set them off when he says and God sent me to the Gentiles. It's those last three words. To the Gentiles. And brothers and sisters, Jerusalem erupts and says, kill the guy. He is worthy of death for saying that the nations can have a place at God's table without becoming Jewish. No! He must die. He was laying his life on the line 
not just for the gospel of Christ, but for the mystery of what God was doing in opening doors to people that the world had thought had shut on them and passed them by. He tore down the walls like we talked about last week. And this was Paul's greatest privilege. So, so how can we dig into this a little more this week before we head home? Two things. One, Paul loves, to, as he says in verse 8, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Paul counted it a privilege to let new people know that they weren't left out in the cold. He loved to let one of the greatest privileges of us as followers of Jesus is finding and taking opportunities to tell someone who does not know about Jesus about Jesus. And Paul loved it. It was his call to proclaim to the Gentiles of the boundless riches of knowing Christ the Messiah. And he enjoyed it and thrived in it even in chains. It was worth it. And so the chance that you may have to share Jesus in some small way with anyone who comes through our doors, no matter what their skin color, no matter if they're rich or poor, no matter if they speak English or Spanish or Cantonese or Taiwanese, we have a chance to let the Holy Spirit build something among us that is unique. And like Paul says, that is the point. In verse 10, he says, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Paul says, listen, this mystery has been so great, even the angels can't believe what God is up to. Even the angels can't believe that God would open his doors to salvation for the world this wide. And the thing that's supposed to reveal what God is up to the most is us, the church. We are the ones to reveal the mystery to a, to a world that is distrustful and, and is distant and really wonders if God has a place for them. And that's what he says. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers in the heavenly places. Now, this manifold wisdom of God, I want to dig into that word just a little deeper. If I had $5 million, you know what I would have done? I would have bought the biggest, most perfect diamond I could and bring it to you here today so you could see it. You know, I don't know how many, maybe you several carats worth nice and big and we'd let the light shine on it in all its glory and what happens when the light hits a perfect beautiful big diamond like that it's like right all the facets all the light all the reflecting and the refracting and the beauty and the glory and we would just all wow how can we have something so precious in our midst right here right now it is so beautiful and that's what Paul's saying. The multifaceted wisdom of God is revealed in all its beauty and all its glory when the church embraces all the peoples of the world. When we show that there is more to us than white or black or Spanish or, or Korean, 
We reveal to the world what God is up to. We reveal the mystery. And in that mystery, we show the beauty and amazement of God's incredible love that a longing and distrustful world needs to say, well, if those Christians can look like that, black, white, Hispanic, coming all together, worshiping in different languages, if, God, if they can look like that, I want to be a part of what God is doing. It brings credibility to the good news of Jesus. And so that's what Paul lays before us. This is to be who we are. And so here in, uh, in Rockdale County, you know, 10% of our population is Hispanic. And, and, you know, I'm trying to pray about, Lord, how do we open our doors more to our brothers and sisters in the Hispanic community? Because a lot of them, they're already Christian. You know, a lot of Catholic background mostly, but, but, but they're welcome here in our community and at the table. And, and how can we help them feel at home? And here in our community, within a six-mile radius, there are over 1,700 people who are more from an Asian background. And we have a strong contingent in our community of folks from the Philippines and folks from Cambodia and folks from Southeast Asia. How can we help them feel more at home here? How can we help them know that there's a place at God's table for them? You know, so oftentimes one of the troubles with the, the church as we go through the generations is we get really comfortable. We just get really, really comfortable. And we think, well, the church is about us and God loves us and we're the privileged saved. You know, we start to think an awful lot like the Jews did 2,000 years ago. And so we think, when we think about other cultures, we think about, well, you know, the Muslim Middle East, they don't like us a whole lot, so I don't know that I want to take Jesus to them. And, and, the, and the Hindus of India, well, they've got so many, many people and so much poverty and, and all that, and, and they like their, you know, they like how the, the classes are kind of arranged and, and, the, and the Hindu caste system and all that. They probably don't want Jesus there. And in China and Southeast Asia, you know, they, they like Buddha a whole lot. And yeah, yeah, Buddha's probably enough for them. They don't really need Jesus there. But brothers and sisters, what Jesus said while he was with us here on earth, he said this. He said, listen, I'm coming back. But if you want to end to come, this good news of my gospel must be preached to the nations to all the nations, and then, and only then, I'll come back. So you wonder, Jesus, it's been 2,000 years, why aren't you back yet? Maybe it's because us in the church don't love the world as much as God does. And maybe until we can have the heart that breaks like God's heart breaks for the world. Maybe we've got to get someplace new so that we reveal what God is up to today. Both here, you know, uh, I, I'm glad the Regattis are ministering to you know, the Chinese students here and overseas and, and they're called to go there. You know, a lot of us say, well, I couldn't do that. But brothers and sisters, we've got a lot of folks outside these four walls 
who come from all over the world. And we can love on them. And they can come through our doors. And we can share. You know, I was thinking of my haircut. It's about time I need another haircut. And, you know, the lady that cuts my hair is from Conyers. And so I talk to her all the time. And she's from Southeast Asia. You know, she always kind of giggles when I invite her to church because she probably thinks it's kind of weird for a, a white pastor guy to invite her to church, I guess. I don't know. But, but anyway, it's folks like her. They're in our neighborhoods. We run into them at the gas station or in other places. Have you ever considered you could invite them into your home? You could share Jesus. All right, I know I need to wrap up. But this is what God calls us to. And I, and I think how beautiful it is. Again, I'm reminded this summer at annual conference, we had a Hispanic worship leader come and lead us through our week as, as United Methodists. And as he did that, he reminded us of a time in his ministry, because as he led us, right, uh, I've shared with you before, we didn't just sing hymns in English. He would always throw in a verse in Spanish, and then he'd throw in a verse in either Korean or Chinese, and he would teach us how to sing together in all these different languages. And he told us how one time, how he was doing a ministry and doing a worship service like that in one part of Atlanta, and how afterward a young teenage girl from Asia came up to him and said, you know, all this time, I thought Jesus was for white people. Maybe for black people. But this is the first time in my life as I heard us sing praise to the creator of the universe in my own language. This is the first time that I really realized Jesus is for me too. And only that reality happens when the mystery of Christ is revealed and the love and worship of the church. A church that is not just one, but a church for all. That's what God is up to. And he invites us to be a part of that work in our community and around the world. If we'll just say yes and welcome and love anyone who comes through our door and anyone we meet out on the street, there is an opportunity for them to know that the kingdom is for them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Now you know the mystery, so let's go live it out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today just for your love and goodness and grace. Uh, God, you are up to amazing things, and it should continue to blow our minds that you really do value every human being on this planet who are made in your image, who though we come from different walks of life and different cultures and different perspectives and, and arrive in different places, your love still seeks us out. You call us together to inherit your kingdom, to be saved by your grace, to have a relationship with you, and to be a part of your one church, the communion of saints that we profess, we believe in. Make that communion real in our midst more and more. We thank you for the bit of diversity that we already have. But Lord, I pray, give us a heart that breaks like your heart for our neighbors and for our world. 
help us live out the good news of this mystery that you love all and then invite all of us to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I pray in the name of the Father, Son, and